Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. Hello. And welcome all of the services and everybody watching online. I have a special message. Uh, I am going to talk about marriage. This, this message really applies to all areas of our lives, but this message is called Training Your Mouth for Marriage. <laughs> I want to talk about the way we speak to one another and how important it is, what the Bible has to say about it. If you have your Bibles or your phones or iPads, however you read the Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Now, this is just a really, really interesting uh, passage of Scripture. And it says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Then the next verse is interesting. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. It's talking about the power of our speech, a man's stomach will be filled from the produce of his lips. And it says the power of life and death is in our tongue. I killed my wife with my tongue. When we first got married, I was not a good husband. And I loved Karen, but when I got frustrated at her, I would say things to her to hurt her, and it devastated her. It was the worst thing I ever did. And I killed her. And the good thing is, by the grace of God, you know, I changed, and our marriage was resurrected. And I'm saying God can do anything to, through a person who's willing to repent and take responsibility. But listen, your marriage will never be better than your mouth. Every good marriage is full of good words, a lot of good words. Every bad marriage is either filled with bad words or no words. And so our life and death is in the power of our tongue. We were created in the image of God. God spoke and the universe came into existence. We create our world with our words. We speak and our world comes into existence. Our relationships come into existence. We have this incredible power within our mouth. It's called the power of life and death. And to eat its fruit, to, uh, to understand it and to enjoy all the benefits of our mouths, we have to take responsibility for our words. And then God will give us relationships that are blessed and, and wonderful. So I want to talk about the potential of positive speech. It says here, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips will be filled. The word fruit there means to cause to bear fruit. It means seed. Every word that comes out of our mouths are seeds. Now, I, I was watching this program on television, and it was showing migratory animals. They're, they're amazing animals, you know, birds and whales and these animals that migrate hundreds or thousands of miles and then come right back to the exact place that they migrated from. And they were saying that scientists believe that animals can see the electromagnetic field of the earth that we can't see, literally a highway. So when the whales and the birds and the animals are traveling thousands of miles and come right back, it's because they see something we can't see. See, I believe if we could see into the spirit realm, we would see Every time we open our mouths and speak, speed come out, seed come out. A seed of life or a seed of death. See, some of you have been devastated by a seed that was planted inside of your soul by a person that was hurtful. Those are powerful seeds. 
but we also have the ability to speak and good seed come out of our mouth. I believe that every single word that we speak is consequential. There is no such thing as inconsequential speech. Every single word we say is going to have a crop, a good crop or a bad crop. And when we understand that and take responsibility for it, it means we can live a wonderful life. We live in a smart aleck and vulgar culture. Anybody agree with that? And people just saying unbelievable things with their mouths, not understanding the consequences of that. So I want to talk about what Jesus said about our words. Because Satan wants to take opportunity through our ignorance and cause us to say things that are casual, that are, that are vulgar, that are whatever, that have unbelievable you know, consequences here and in eternity. Here's what Jesus said about our mouths. And he's speaking now to the Pharisees who are calling him Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies. Jesus is doing miracles and they're accusing him of doing miracles by the power of Satan. Therefore, I say to you, this is verse 31 in chapter 12. I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, it will be forgiven him. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now that just kind of tells you right there the importance of our words. And Jesus calls our hearts trees and our words fruit. So if you had an orange tree in your heart, you would expect to see orange fruit come out of your mouth, right? In other words, the fruit corresponds to the tree. Bad words mean a bad tree. It means your heart's bad. Good words mean your heart's good. You can always tell the condition of your heart by the words that you speak. Mean words mean you have unforgiveness. There's bitterness. There's something wrong with your heart. Vulgarity, crudeness, whatever it might be, it's revealing something in your heart. So is love and kindness and graciousness and those things. He reveals to us also that the worst sin that we can commit, we commit with our mouths. Our mouths are the only part of our body that can com commit the unpardonable sin. And no, no one has done this. You would never come to church if you had ever done this. So don't ever let the devil tell you that you've done this. But the unforgivable sin is calling the Holy Spirit evil. And Jesus said, the Holy Spirit was moving and doing miracles. And they said, you do miracles by the power of Beelzebub. You're the, you're the demon master. You're the Lord of the flies. And Jesus said, now you listen to me. You say something bad about me, I'll forgive you. You call the Holy Spirit evil, you will not be forgiven. It's the essence of an evil heart that would call the Holy Spirit evil. None of you have done that. Don't you worry about it. You would never even come close to a church if you had. He tells us that our words reveal our hearts. And sometimes, you know, I used to tell Karen, I would say something terrible, and I would say, Karen, that's not my heart. You know, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Your words are telling you the condition of your heart. You can't disassociate that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's, you're drawing out of the well that represents your heart. He tells us that we will give an account someday for 
every idle word that we have ever spoken. Someday we will give an account for that. You say, what's an idle word? You're in the garage, you're hammering something, you miss the nail, you hit your thumb, that word. (laughs) Every idle word. Okay, so you say, well, how does God record all of our words? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, God knows everything, but maybe there's some little snitch angel following us around. (laughs) Writing everything down, I don't know. But let me tell you some wonderful news. There's an eraser on the recorder. It's called the blood of Jesus. And if we've said something bad, all we have to do is take responsibility for it. All we have to do is just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I just didn't realize, you know, the bad things that I've said. I just take responsibility. Boom. You'll never hear about it in all of eternity. But I think that there will be some people who get to heaven one day and stand in judgment before God, and they're absolutely shocked at the words that they have spoken, and all Christians go to heaven. It's, it's all good. But we still have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and we still have to take responsibility. Imagine the damage that some people have done with their mouths and never taken responsibility for. Imagine the wounded hearts and the ruined lives that some people have caused with their mouths and never taken responsibility for. So Jesus is very serious when he gets to this issue of words. All words are critical and consequential. That's what I'm trying to say in this message. Every word that we speak has a consequence. So let me talk about, since our words are seeds, let me talk about the laws of sowing and reaping. So if every time you open your mouth, a seed comes out, and it does, we need to understand what farmers understand the laws of sowing and reaping. Here are three laws of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow. That's, that's pretty simple. The, according to the seed that you sow, you get a crop back. Galatians 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. The word mocked there is the word mukterizo. It means to throw your nose up at God. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So a common deception is I can get a good result through bad seed. I can say a bad word and get a good result. You idiot, you jerk, you moron, stupid cursing, being unkind, threatening divorce, threatening adultery, a threat, a bad word, and I'm going to say this bad word and it's going to bring a good result. And I see people, you know, I've counseled Christians for 36 years and, you know, they're sweet people, but, you know, they're sweet. They go to church, carry their Bibles. They're just sweet, precious people. But when they get in a fight, they cuss like satyrs. And I've had them come into my office and, you know, tell me their fights and tell me what they said to each other and all that. And I love them to death, you know, and, but they hurt each other. But in 36 years of counseling, here's what I've never heard. I've never heard a couple come into counseling and one of them say, Pastor Jimmy, well, my spouse and I got in a fight the other night and they cussed me up one side and down the other. They called me every name in the book and boy, it helped. It <laughs> Right in the middle of them just going into a tirade and cussing me out, a light came on, and I just thought, you know, they're right. (laughs) And I'm just so glad I've got a spouse that will tell me the truth. I've never heard that, but here's the word I've heard over and over, devastate. Devastate. When I repented to Karen, because I was a horrible husband, when I repented to Karen, she said, the worst thing you've ever done is what you said to me, Jimmy. It was. The power of life and death is in my tongue, is in your tongue. 
And if you understand it, you can have a wonderful life. If you don't understand it, life is going to be tough. My life was tough. The second deception is I would say something positive, but it wouldn't make any difference. It's impossible. Don't be deceived. If you believe that saying a good word wouldn't help, you're deceived. Every good seed brings a good result. Words of love, words of kindness, words of truth, words of compassion, words of understanding, words of encouragement. A good word will bring a good result. The devil will say, you don't, don't even talk to them. Don't, don't even say anything nice to them. You just, you just be mean. That'll bring a good result. That's deception. Bad words bring, you reap what you sow. That's the first law of sowing and reaping. Let me talk about men for just a minute because we're told as men to be Christ-like husbands. And Ephesians 5 tells us to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And here's what it says. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water with the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church. Do you know why Jesus washes us with his word? Because he wants a good bride. Did you know if you'll speak good words to your wife, she'll be the bride you want her to be? Women are three times more verbal than men. Some are even more than that. So I'm, I'm not going to make eye contact with this man. So women need words. They need a lot of words. I, I used to come home from work and Karen would, where'd you go? What'd you do? who you see? Well, I thought, she is so nosy. And I'm not going to feed that monster. Men talk for communication, for information. Women talk to connect. And they don't just want your words, they want your heart. Karen was always trying to, how did you feel about that? And I thought, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> the arrow went through my heart, I never felt the thing. How did you feel, how would you feel? So I, one day, um, I said to Karen, I'm going to come home, we're going to put the kids to bed. And we had a little sitting area in our bedroom, and I said, we're going to go in the bedroom, sit down, no distractions, and I'm going to talk to you for as long as you want to talk. First time I'd ever done that. And I thought two things. A, I'm the greatest husband in the history of the world. And B, they're going to find me tomorrow dead with my brain sucked out. The sister is going to suck my brain out my ear. Let me say, let me say this. When I began to talk from my heart, Patiently with Karen, it transformed our marriage. Every area of our marriage was transformed. If I would have ever known that talking to her patiently and lovingly would do that, I'd have done it long before. Number two, law of sowing and reaping. You reap much more than what you've sown. You don't, you don't plant a seed and get a seed back. You plant a seed and get much more than a seed. For example, I can feed the world with one kernel of corn. Okay, good. I plant one kernel. You don't get one kernel back. You get a stalk back, right, with hundreds of kernels. I take that stalk and replant it. I get a field back. I take that field and replant it. I get many fields back, and I do that long enough, I can feed the whole world with one kernel. This is so important that we understand that our mouths have a disproportionate influence over our lives. If you don't get anything else right, you get this right. This is James 3. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us. We turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue 
is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. And so James says three things about our tongue. It's a bit in a horse's mouth. It's like a rudder on a ship and a spark that destroys a forest. Imagine this massive horse being controlled by a little piece of wood or metal in its mouth. That's your tongue. Imagine a massive ship. We, we went on a cruise, a Caribbean cruise, a marriage day cruise. There were 7,500 people on the ship. And this little bitty rudder controlled the entire ship at the back of it. And someone is driving down the road, flips a cigarette out the window, and burns down millions of acres of forest fire. That's this thing right here. It's disproportionate. It has more of an effect on our lives than anything else in our lives. It's powerful. The power of life and death is in it. Number three, law of sowing and reaping. There's a delay between sowing and reaping that differs between seeds. Again, this is Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. So in other words, it takes faith. When you're sowing seed, it, there's a delay. When, if I went and planted a corn seed, it's not going to come up tomorrow. There, it's going to take some time for that to germinate and for it to come up. So I've, as a farmer, I, I've got to be patient. I've got to understand it, it may take a few days or a few weeks but I have to understand it's, there's going to be a delay, but don't grow weary. In due season, every seed has a different germination period. Let me talk about this. Training your children. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up your children in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they will not depart from it. And so you can't create immediate results with your children or you'll damage them. Now you can keep them from putting stuff in light sockets and running in the street and things like that. But I'm saying... Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It's just going to take time to raise a good child. And it says here, if you train up a child in the way that they would go, this means two things. It means in the ways of God. It also means in the way they should go. My brother was the administrator of a mental hospital in Houston, and they admitted a patient one day that was just going crazy, basically. And he had just graduated from dental school. And uh, they admitted him into the mental hospital, and uh, they said, well, what's wrong? And he said, I hate, I hate putting my hands in people's mouths. They said, why did you go to dental school? He said, because my grandfather's a dentist, my father's a dentist, all my brothers are dentists, and I was pressured into becoming a dentist. And the thought of putting my hands in people's mouths the rest of my life drove me crazy. And they said, well, don't be a dentist. He said, I can be, not be a dentist? Don't try to make a quarterback out of a musician. Don't try to make an accountant of somebody that is called to be something else. You train that child up in the way they should go. And the way that you know that what they should do is you ask Jesus because Jesus created them in their mother's womb. Each of your children has a different purpose. You train all your children in the ways of God, but you pray and you be God's assistant to help all of your children accomplish the destiny they were created for. And what it says is when they get old, 
they won't depart from it. You say, well, what does old mean, 83? Because I'm still waiting on my kids to kind of turn around. It means mature. It means mature. Both of our kids, Julie and Brent, we have great kids, great godly kids. They're in their 40s now. But uh, when they graduated from college, there was a question mark over them. We raised them the best that we could. We, we spoke destiny over them. We prayed over them. But when they went to college, it took a period of time for our faith to be their faith. And we stood on the promise of God that we had trained them in the way that they should go and they would come back to it. Here, I heard this statement one time. You never know what kind of a parent you are until your children turn 30. But when you get angry with your children and you get frustrated with your children, you say, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never be like your brother, Billy. You'll never, you'll never like that. You'll damage that child. And the reason you're saying it is you're frustrated. You're trying to produce immediate results. In the worst day of your child's life, you walk up and say, you're a man of God and you have a destiny on your life. You're a woman of God and we believe in you. Like the Jewish mother, her child flunked out of school and he came home and she said, well, see there, they don't know how to teach a genius. Wouldn't you like to have that, mother? You speak life over that child. You pray life over that child. Be a good farmer. You keep speaking right seed into that child. It will bear fruit in due season. Pray for your marriage and children. Praying is when you're praying, you're spitting out good seed. First Timothy 1.3, Paul tells Timothy, without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. The word remember there. It means, in the Greek language, that which preserves a memory, and it's from the root word, mania. In some places in Greek literature, it meant a monument or a memorial. Acts 10.4, the angel comes to Cornelius' house and says, Cornelius, your prayers have come up as a memorial before God. And you have been praying, and you have been praying, and you have been praying, and maybe you're getting a little bit discouraged. Can I give you a word picture? When you're praying for one of your children, you're building a monument in the presence of God that looks like that child. Your prayers are not evaporating. Your prayers are accumulating. You're praying for your husband. You're praying for your wife. You're praying for something. And as you're praying, you're building a, a memorial. And the angel comes to Cornelius and says, Cornelius, we have seen the result of your prayers. And it's a monument in the presence of God. Don't get discouraged. Your prayers are meaningful. You build a monument in the presence of God and your prayers will come true. The number three thing is speaking the truth in love. It says speaking the truth in love, we grow up into all aspects into God. Let, uh, Proverbs says, let kindness and truth be bound around your neck. In other words, it means every word that comes out of your mouth is true, but it's loving. Nagging, the difference between speaking the truth in love and nagging is we become the enforcer. See, the, the, we, all have, we all have the right to say anything we want to to our spouse. The question is, who is the enforcer, us or the Holy Spirit? And when we become the enforcer, you're going to do what I say or I'm going to, I'm going to nag you. I'm, going to, I'm talking about men and women. I'm going to nag you. We, we damage our spouse. So Karen and I, our, our marriage was healed. And, um, you know, we were doing good. And we were having, we would have conversations, you know, intense conversations, intense fellowship from time to time. And Karen would say to me this, she would say, Gee, I wish I could just record you and play, play back you to you so you can see the way you talk to me when you're angry. And this, I, I, be, I had repented, I was a lot better. And I said, there's nothing wrong with the way I talk to you. 
And I remember being so frustrated in these conversations thinking, how many times do we have to have the same conversation? I just want to get you scrubbed up right now and get this thing over with. And the Lord healed me in one instant. And I'm sure Karen was praying for me. The Lord healed me in an instant. I was reading the word one morning and it says, Jesus washes his bride in the washing of water with the word. I read that scripture and immediately I saw myself as a filthy bride, filthy. And the Lord was going over to it like a, a vase of water and he was putting his hands in this water and very gently coming and just releasing it over my head. And what I realized was he had been doing this since the day I got saved. Did you know that when you got saved, God knew you were not a short project? How precious Jesus is. You know when they restore a masterpiece, like, like been through a fire, they use a Q-tip. And they go months at a time, and all they're trying to do is to get the smut and stuff off of the painting without touching any of the paint. And they'll sit, I'm too ADD. I would take a paint scraper after it. And, but did you know that that's what God has been doing to you because you're so precious? I can see how Jesus was not trying to scrub me down. But for all the years since I had been saved, he was just taking his word and just gently washing me with it. The next scene that I saw was Karen in a wedding dress, and I was hosing her down with a fire hose. And her dress was blown back, her veil was blown back, and I was just like this. And I realized Jesus is very patient with me. I'm very impatient with Karen. I'm trying to get her cleaned in one conversation. That's why I'm so intense with my words. And I'm not trusting God to be the enforcer. So the next time something happened, you know, that I would have typically been a little bit frustrated, I went and Karen was in the kitchen and I went in there and, and I said, hey, I want to say something to you. And she said, you know, I think she was ready for a fight, you know. And I said, hey, I want to say something to you. And she said, what? And I walked over and said, this and this and this. And I would have typically done, this was, this was the old Jimmy, I would have typically said, do you understand? Yes, what does yes mean? Does yes mean you're going to, and I would, you know, just start that kind of thing. So I walked in, I said, hey, I want to say something to you. She said, what? And I told her, and I said, I walked over, gave her a hug, gave her a kiss, walked out of the room. I wouldn't like me. And so I, I did that for a while. And I was in my office at home, and she walked up the door one day, and she said, I noticed what you're doing. So, and I like it. I liked it too. It's hard being God. You know, God is a big job. No. And trying to be God of other people's lives, it's just a stressful job. And I decided to let God be God, and I was going to be Jimmy. And I was going to speak the truth in love. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. If you're speaking the truth, he'll enforce it. If it's not the truth, you don't want him to enforce it. Just relax. Plant the seed in due season your husband's going to change. In due season, your wife's going to change. In due season, your children are going to change. Let me tell you one more story, and I'm done. I was pastoring in Amarillo, and this couple, young couple in their 20s came in. They said, Pastor Jimmy, we can't get pregnant. I said, well, let me pray for you. So we, I prayed with them three or four times, you know, and they're a real, real sweet couple. And I said, Did you, have you guys been to the doctor? Because this just doesn't seem right. And they said, yeah, we've been to the doctor. He tells us there's nothing wrong with us. And so I knew the doctor, and I was visiting people in the hospital one day, and I was in the elevator with him. And he, we talked for just a minute. He said, Jimmy, you know, you know this young couple that goes to your church that can't get pregnant? And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, there's nothing wrong with them. 
And I said, well, that's what they told me that you said. He said, no, Jimmy, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with them. She should be getting pregnant. And I said, what, really? He said, you need to find out what's wrong. Well, I thought, well, you're the doctor. <laughs> you know, I just finished being God. Now I'm supposed to be the doctor, you know, so. And he said, you need to go back and find out what's wrong with them. And it just interested me. It interested me. And so they came in to see me shortly after that. And they walked in my office and said, well, Jimmy, we want you to pray for us that we can have, be pregnant. I said, well, there's, I talked to your doctor in the elevator the hospital the other day. And they said, oh, really? And I said, yeah. He said, there's nothing wrong. They said, yeah, that's what, they, that's what they, he says to us. And I said, well, I want you all to tell me what's wrong. And they said, oh, Pastor Jimmy, we, we don't know what's wrong. I said, yeah, you do. What's wrong? And they said, uh, Pastor Jimmy, um, we don't know what's wrong. I said, yeah, you do. What's wrong? And they said, uh, we don't know what's wrong. I said, yeah, you do. And I just stared at him. And she lowered her head. I said, what's wrong? She said, oh, Pastor Jimmy, when I was a young girl, I did something that was wrong with some boys. And my mother caught me. And she told me because I had done that, that God would never let me have children. I knew, I knew the whole family. I knew her mother. I said, your mother's a sweet woman, but she cursed you. And her words are preventing you from having children. And we're going to break that curse right now. We forgave her mother. And in the name of Jesus, we broke the word curse that had been spoke, spoken over her. And she started spitting out kids faster than we can count them. <laughs> this thing is powerful right here now. And as much as it can kill somebody, it can bring life to somebody. It can be life to you. We need to train our mouths for marriage. We need to train our mouths for relationship. We need to train our mouths for life. Whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap. And you're going to reap much more than what you planted, but there's going to be a delay. So it takes a person of faith to release the power of life. I want you to bow your heads with me if you would. Lord, we, we take responsibility for our words. We, all of us, have said some things we shouldn't have said. And we pray the blood of Jesus will erase every bad word we've ever spoken so that we never have to take responsibility for it. And Jesus, you said, make the tree good and its fruit good, or the tree bad and its fruit bad. And what you're saying is we have the power to change our hearts, to repent, to take responsibility. As husbands and wives and parents and people of God, we we don't want to be like the people of the world. We want to be your children, and we want to be people of life. As husbands, we want to be husbands of life. As wives, we want to be wives of life. As parents, we want to be parents of life. We surrender our mouths to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We're not the master of our tongues, Jesus, you are. And we pray that you would forgive us, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. And from this day forward, that our words would be words of life. 
and bring light to all of those around us. And I bless this congregation. I pray that you would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on them that they simply could not receive. I speak health. I speak promotion. I speak favor. I speak blessing. I speak every blessing, Jesus, that you died and rose again to give them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.